The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hello and welcome once again to the Freeman Report, which puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's news talk and our fights for freedom, liberty and justice. My name is James Freeman. I'm your host today. It is Monday, the 12th of February 2024. And on today's show, we'll be hearing from Irishman Eddie Hobbs about how his country could become the epicentre of the global fight to stop the World Health Organization getting powers to determine how our governments respond in the event that the WHO declares another global pandemic. And the globalists are fully aware of the threat, as seen by Tedros, the current director general of the WHO, recently visiting Ireland for a meeting with the Taoiseach. Now, at the moment, um, the WHO operates in an advisory capacity globally. But all of that will change if amendments to the international health regulations go through, combined with the ratification of a new global pandemic accord. Um, it started off being called as a treaty, but they thought that would frighten everyone. Um, so they now called it a pandemic accord. But it is an international treaty. And if it goes through, it will give the WHO legal powers over all of its members. Today's guest, Eddie Hobbs, is an Irish writer, broadcaster, financial advisor and activist who is best known for his work co-writing and presenting various programmes and series for Ireland's main public broadcaster, RTE, including the 2005 blockbuster Ripoff Republic that exposed how Ireland is really run and a personal finance series called Show Me the Money. Um, last week, Eddie contributed to a meeting in Dublin with a number of high-profile politicians and activists, including Christine Anderson, MEP, Andrew Bridgen, MP, Dr. Tess Laurie, Dr. Meryl Nass, Dr. Kat Lindley, and many others. Eddie's contribution to the meeting was to bring attention to a 1987 Irish Supreme Court ruling called Crotty versus Tishak. Now, what this 1987 Supreme Court ruling, ruling did was create an unbreakable rule that any ceding of sovereignty of the Irish constitution must be approved by the Irish people through a referendum. This ruling, which I didn't know before last week, is the reason that Ireland was the only country in Europe to hold a referendum on the Lisbon Treaty. And although in the end the globalists got their way on that treaty by making the Irish vote twice, given that they voted wrong the first time around, what that referendum did was provide further evidence for the people of Europe that the EU is an undemocratic globalist project that does not have the people's interests at its heart. Making the Irish people vote until they gave the right answer was used by me and others to help wake up swathes of the British public to the undemocratic nature of the EU project. And we all know what happened next as a result of that, don't we? 
Now, the backdrop to this latest globalist project is to give the WHO legal powers that would mean it can dictate to members how they will respond in the event that the WHO itself declares a global pandemic. The medicines that should be used, such as vaccines, and potentially whether they should be mandated or not, whether countries must lock down, what travel restrictions to impose, etc., etc. You get the picture. And this isn't just about viruses either. The WHO can independently declare a global emergency for as diverse reasons as climate change if it deems that to be a global public health emergency. No democratic accountability exists in the WHO and neither does it have any democratic processes for the decisions around calling a pandemic. This is currently in the hands of the Director General of the WHO. Now, we saw an example of this recently in July 2022 when Tedros, the current Director General, declared monkeypox a public health emergency of international concern, a so-called PHEIC. Tedros did this despite the fact that his advisory committee voted against doing this. So, as I said, it is clear that the WHO has no internal processes for declaring emergency, just a dictator at the top with the power to declare global emergencies. Now, at the moment, this means little, as governments that are beholden to their populations are the entities responsible for deciding, implementing and enforcing public health measures or not, in cases like Sweden during COVID that did not follow advice from the WHO to lock down. The important thing, though, is that in principle anyway, that the people currently have a route to remove those in power when they get it wrong or when they go rogue and act against the interests of the people. The proposed power grab should worry everybody. Because the WHO is not some caring health body used to protect the health of the people around the world. No. The WHO is two-thirds funded by big pharma interests, either directly or via the NGOs, that's non-governmental organisations that corporations and billionaires like Gates use to disguise what they're doing and the money trails that reveal what they're doing. In a few decades, the WHO has gone from doing work in developing worlds um, to prevent diseases like bringing fresh water to villages in Africa, to being captured by big pharma to push vaccines and medicines that further the financial interests of the global elite. Corporate interests have already captured governments around the world, along with the global media, journal publications and research institutions, and the funding mechanisms behind them. And national regulatory bodies like the UK's MHRA and the CDC in the US. However, despite having all of this influence and control, it is still very difficult for the globalists to dictate things fully because, you know, the people across the world still hold the balance of power, even if most of them are fast asleep to what is going on at the moment. All it takes is for more people around the world to wake up and say no, and their governments will have no choice but to back 
down because in principle governments get their power from the people now imagine if that were not the case that decisions around restrictions and mandates were no longer in the hands of our governments but in the hands of a global organization such as the who in that instance our governments become the enforcers not the decision makers and democratic accountability is removed it has all the potential to become a dystopian nightmare and we've seen this type of strategy before most governments in the west are not allowed to spy on their entire populations it is written into domestic law but what edward snowden showed is that to get around these laws all they had to do was outsource the job to a foreign entity outside the jurisdiction of that country and its laws what this who treaty will do is hand responsibility for taking decisions that go against the interests of the people around the world to unelected unaccountable bureaucrats who've been hand picked and installed into positions of power by a global elite who want to control everything now one of the things that i have learned on my journey through politics activism and now journalism is that if you create centralized power bases those bases will attract the very people you least want to be in control of them and the more powerful you make those centralized bases the more it will attract those who you don't want to be ruled by power begets power in the case of the who it is the worst of the human race who are now swarming around that power base those who do not care about the devastation and damage done by their fake pandemics because they seek power to control us for their own ends not to protect us so does ireland provide the key to waking up the world before it's too late stay tuned for today's freeman report straight after breaking news with Gemma cooper in just a moment and if you want to get in touch then please do email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live and if you like a good documentary then listen up because tnt is now showing special screenings uninterrupted at the weekends um, my documentary uk cv family a letter to my mp aired this weekend along with other groundbreaking films so if you're interested then check out tnt's website for more information my name is james freeman and this is the freeman report for today's news talk tnt it's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Happy Monday, Gemma. How are you doing? Hello, James. Yes, I love I love this uh, WHO pandemic treaty accord story mm. because they're at great pains to say all the time, oh, no, 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 we're not going to take any power away from individual com uh, countries. We promise. We promise we won't. And you think, well, why are you doing it then? You know, it just doesn't make yeah. any sense what well, their, def their defense is. Oh, no, it won't affect you at all. Well, why do it? Why why spend so much time persuading us we need an accord, a treaty, if you're not going to do that? You know, they think we don't see. We do. Of course we do. Well, only some of us see at the moment. And this is the point why Ireland could be so important, because, you know, it's not just about one country and whether they say no or yes or no. Um, what it's about 
is having a court case at the Supreme Court level, which unpicks all of the things to do with the treaty. Does it take sovereignty? Because at the moment, governments around the world in the UK and, and elsewhere are just saying, nothing to see here, um, no, no conflicts with our sovereignty or our constitution. We're just going to you know, we're just going to pass this um, behind the scenes, no big deal, um, which obviously we know is a load of baloney. Um, there are huge implications um, for people all around the world and for our sovereignty, because as I said in my introduction there, you know, our governments get their power from us. We consent to them having that power to represent us. We don't give them that power to give that power away without our permission. Um, so this is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I'd be delighted to hear what your your guest has to say, you know, about Ireland and the, the, the kind of testing ground for this. You know, Ted Ross is obviously desperate. He's visited there. It's only a matter of time before we see him pop up on UK shores here, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, don't worry. Yeah, like, as you rightly say, nothing to mm. see here. It's fine. Nothing to see. Well, why, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it then, mate? You know, yeah, well, anyway, to be continued without a doubt, this story <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> right, Gemma, what story, what breaking news have you got for us today? Well, this is sinister uh, because it does tie in directly to what we've just been talking about in terms of the fact, you know, what the WHO tried to do over the last four years was stick needles in the entire population of the world. And that seems that that agenda hasn't gone away because today we have uh, the boss of the uh, Danish pharmaceutical company, Novo Nordisch, uh, confirming that he's been in talks with the UK government about their miracle wonder weight loss jab um, uh, and hinting that they're in talks with the government about jabbing uh, obese members of the UK population that are off work on benefits for weight-related issues, uh, jabbing them so they can all go back into the workforce. I, I'm not sure where the issue of consent will actually come into this. It sounds like no, no is again no jab, no job, isn't it? Um, basically, this this drug is called. It's either called WeGovy or WeGovy. Uh, it's it's spelled W-E-G-O-V-Y. It's very, very similar to the the uh, um, very Hollywood's uh, favoured drug, Ozempic, the weight loss drug. It mimics the hormone released after you finished eating called GLP-1, uh, and it tells the pancreas to release a lot of insulin. Um, and you, you as a result, you drop a lot of weight very, very quickly. It comes with a host of side effects, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, uh, fainting, uh, uh, headaches, dizziness, all kinds of things. It, you know, it's not it's not without its risks. But the boss today has confirmed that he's been in talks with the government. This comes as a result of some leaked documents which suggested a few months ago that um, he'd been asked by officials to target, could we target people with your weight loss drug? Would it work? Would it get people back into the workforce? Specifically, people who are on the tipping point of obesity. So they've only just kind of tipped over the BMI scale, the official scale of heaviness. And if we gave them this drug, would they be fit for work. Um, he has hinted today, uh, well, he's confirmed today actually that those reports were true, but he said that he would have nothing to do with administering the drug. It's a once a week drug, a once a week injection. He said that will be down to government policy in the UK. But very sinister, you know, that it's again, no jab, no job. That's what it's looking like. Uh, would there be consent for this? Would people be willing to roll up their sleeves and have a jab to lose weight? Um, should we be in the UK uh, looking at other weight loss measures like obviously diet and exercise, which seems to have disappeared from public discourse in the last four years is only the answer to all health problems is obviously now a jab and also should be looking at the mental health 
reasons that people feel compelled to be addicted to food, to overeat to the extent where they are damaging their health. There's a whole raft of health problems that come with being obese. Uh, type 2 diabetes is the main one, but there's obviously mobility issues, uh, chest pain, uh, all kinds of, of problems that come and prevent you from working and eligible for benefits. The government obviously want to change that. The answer is an injection. Pharmaceutical companies confirmed they've been in talks. So we have to, again, this one is to be continued as to where we go from here. Yeah, I've got a lot to say about this. I mean, I've done a bit of reading on this story over the weekend, and it seems that this isn't just a case of having a few injections, losing weight, and then that's it. This is one of those things that you're going to have to keep on going back to over your lifetime because, you know, it, yes, okay, it helps you um, remove the weight. And obviously, there's lots of questions over side effects. Um, but people just put the weight back on um, when they come off the injections. Now, the big picture to this is that, you know, when you look at social media, there's people posting those those videos from the 1950s um, where they're saying, where are all the fat people? <laughs> you know, um, this is a modern problem. And you have to ask why people have why we've got this problem. And I don't believe it's got anything to do with exercise. I mean, I think that's probably a contributory factor in some people's lifestyles, but it's certainly not the biggest factor. This is because of the food that we now eat in the West. Um, you know, all of it highly processed, lots of junk food in there. I guess what you should really call edible substances. They're not real food. Um, it is this. This is the reason that people are becoming obese. Um, and what this basically proposes is just putting a sticking plaster over that instead of actually dealing with the root cause problem. And of course, why would they want to? These corporations, as well as selling us all of this food that people become addicted to and eat too much of, but they can also sell us now the injections to correct the problems that it causes. Um, so yeah, really, really terrible. Once again, our governments are going down the wrong route of more medication, more intervention, instead of actually tackling the root cause of the problem. Right, Gemma, we better move on because uh, my guests will be waiting. So thank you very much, Gemma Cooper, for that story. I'm sure we'll be talking about that more in the days to come. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere. Stick with us right here on TNT. TNT's Pella Neuroth-Taylor. We, we need to look, do a lot of deconstruction of these phrases and, and really think about what it means because what does far-right mean? I, I'd say that far-right means anything that you don't like and... Um, it's just a label, a bit like the, the Chinese under Mao, their state press used to call uh, anyone who was an ideological opponent, capitalist pig dogs, whatever. And it was just meant to evoke a response. And it was a signal from the rulers to the rule that this is what you should think without actually having to think. It's it's a, it's a meant to evoke a sort of Pavlovian reaction that you're a, these are bad guys. And uh, a moderate, in, in, in our, lingo i mean let's say it's foreign coverage the bbc will say the moderate blah 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 party in the third world meaning well they're guys we approve of and then the extremist is someone we don't approve of helen neuroth taylor on today's news talk tnt
Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Right. Well, I mean, I say this all the time. I'm absolutely delighted to have the, my next guest on. But I, you know, this is, I think, Eddie and what he's going to talk about today is incredibly important. Um, I gave him a call last week after finding out what was going on. And I, I must say, I'm really excited about the prospect that this court ruling provides us to wake up people around the world. So, Eddie Hobbs, welcome to the Freeman Report. Thank, thanks very much, James. Now, Eddie... You you you've got an interesting background you're a writer a broadcaster financial advisor and now turned activist i wouldn't I wonder if you wouldn't mind just first quickly introducing yourself and saying how you've gone from being a broadcaster in the mainstream in an island on rte to now fighting the globalists on the world stage <laughs> well i suppose um um I, I got known some years ago, 2005, for doing um, a series of programs called Rip Off Republic, which was um, a polemic, really, over four hours on, on um, national state broadcaster RTE. It garnered the highest audience for factual entertainment television in Ireland in its history. And it was because the public responded to the information that was there. So I was really just joining up the dots uh, on, on how Ireland functioned. And um, and it wasn't very it wasn't very pretty. So, you know, I was describing a country that was eating its young and um, it got a very, very nasty. It got, a, it got it really got a strong response from the government. They wanted to drag me before a doll committee, a parliamentary committee the following week to um, to account for all the misinformation and disinformation. There is that <laughs> phrase again. Um, and um, and when and um, I got a phone, I was on holidays at the time in West Cork and I got a phone call from a journalist to say, um, you know, that they'd called for this committee. And what was my response? And I asked how many were on the committee and they gave me the number, I think eight or nine or something. And I said, there's that that's completely unfair. There's there's not enough of them. So um, and the reason for that was that 85 percent of all of the data that I used across the four one hour programs came from government agencies themselves. And the rest of it was just factual. So, uh, so they, so they cancelled the meeting, and and re- and that was the end of that. So, from then, uh, I was marked out. Um, the um, the it was a broadcasting act brought in very shortly afterwards to make sure that this wouldn't happen again. We can't have somebody looking down the camera giving an opinion, and so that 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 sort of thwarted that. Then, when the when we rolled forward to the pandemic, um, within weeks of the pandemic, I was writing in one of the main newspapers, just basically pointing out that this was going to end up in a heap of inflation and why, along with other problems, but that's specifically that specific point. And when inflation then raised its head in October 2020, which is the first sign of it, um, uh, I started to, uh, you know, I, f- I quickly found that the mainstream media had shut down. They weren't interested in any counter narrative. I'm not just talking about um, the, the actual um, medical side of it. I'm talking about the economic, even the economic side of it. Everything was shut down. There wasn't a single economist or writer uh, saying anything that was counter narrative. So I got one go at it and that was the end of it. The shutters came down and it, it was a kind of a nuanced um, blackballing. And uh, and I knew then things things were up and I was watching what was going on. It was quite clear to me that the civil servants were briefing the Irish Times uh, for what, about what the government were thinking of doing the following night, because every evening there was a, a meeting of the National Health Executive. And, um, and then two panting journalists would come out of RTE 
a bit like the end of um, the old Hammer horror movies, you know, where the where the vampire appears at the end with the smoke, with the kind of fog in the in the graveyard scene. We had that every evening, so people were getting traumatized and and frightened, and um, and it was clear to me. So the civil servants were briefing the Irish Times, which is like the paper of record. The Irish Times would print it as a as a journalistic scoop when all it was was pravda. And uh, and then the government then that would set the news agenda for the day in Ireland. And the Irish are a very audio nation. So we listen to a lot of radio and radio is the primary means of learning information. And uh, that would drive the radio audience for the day across all uh, all local stations and so on. Uh, you know, what was set out um, and by RT that morning, as it says in the newspapers. But sure, they knew what was going to be said in the newspapers because they were briefed themselves by the same civil servants. So, um, so, so clearly, it was quite clear that the fourth estate in Ireland died, and 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 is and is is in the coffin. I mean, it hasn't been resurrected. It's um, he, you know, the, you know, the, he, he, it's not even in vampire mode. It's dead. So <laughs> you can't get anything through. You know. So, um, so that arose my my interest, and then for the next three years, I I spent wandering around trying to figure out how what, what was going on pick, listening to people watching videos going you know listening to shows like this and so on and trying to stitch it all together and then of course um you know up up you know i've, I've read fauci i've read desmet all these type of people so uh, out comes the who treaty and it was quite clear to me right this is it this, this is their one last hurrah to try and make a grab to become a kind of a totalitarian world authority and uh, and they're making they're making, if I may say, a, using the for they're making a balls of it. Yeah, no, I mean, to people like me, I mean, you know, for decades now, um, I've realised that you know the Irish have been under the power of the Catholic Church. But then, of course, we had all the revelations around priests with children and all of that. And I thought this was going to be a liberation for Ireland. But it seems that Ireland has gone from being captured by religious figures to now being captured by corporate figures. Eddie, tell us what why that is in Ireland because there are something to do with all the businesses there the the the, the head offices on there which means it is a power base for these big corporations it is yeah I mean I, I think that's a pretty accurate summary I mean Ireland Ireland went through a long phase of clerical fascism uh, which really only started to uh, come apart in the in the 80s and uh, then you had the growth period and great liberalization as well all that has happened but unfortunately, on the, um, the on the power structure side, Ireland is the is is the landing zone for U.S. technology and pharmaceuticals. So a huge proportion of the economy is is based on the power of the pharmaceutical and technology companies, and uh, and they're here and they're they're very very dominant, and um, the, um, the 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 kind of the political parties are pretty almost almost pretty similar to one another, including Sinn Fein. You know the great hope of Sinn Fein that that has that didn't arise. And that's quite clear, too, from all of the main political parties completely lost the plot uh, on the uh, on the on the on the inflow of 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 refugees and immigrants coming into Ireland, because Ireland is very well known for for being very welcoming. But we're just out of out of the capacity to deal with the numbers coming in. And finally, communities started to, uh, to start started to react to this. And um, the political parties reaction was just oh, oh, just label like they dealt with it as a propaganda issue. Let's deal with it. Let's just everybody's far right. So you had yeah. ordinary working class people out on street saying, I'm unhappy with this being described by the, you know, by by the uh, by by the champions of um, of the fourth estate as being far right. And they were they were actually on the they weren't far right. I find, I very find few that, were. 
I find that incredible, Eddie, because, um, mm. you know, I've got good friends in Ireland. Um, yeah. I've been over there many times before. And the Irish people are so welcoming and warm. Um, mm. It seems ridiculous that they're now so hateful that they need a hate speech laws to be brought in. Anyway, yeah. we are going to talk about that later on, but we're going to take a break now, Eddie. Um, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about this 1987 ruling and why it is so important, or potentially so important to everyone around the world. So make sure you don't go anywhere. Stick with us right here on TNT. Now, big, big news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Former US Secretary of State Hillary Clinton has been heckled by pro-Palestinian protesters at an event in New York. The brother of dead pedophile Jeffrey Epstein's released a never-before-seen photo of his autopsy, which he claims proves the sex trafficker didn't kill himself. And SpaceX CEO Elon Musk has denied claims by Ukraine that he has been supplying his Starlink satellite internet service to Russian troops on the front line. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Right. Now, without labouring the point, because I think most people watching this now, Eddie, will know what the pandemic accord is and what the international health regulations are. But I think it's worth just for those who maybe aren't aware, hopefully there are some people that were helping to wake up. Please, first of all, just start by explaining what the WHO is trying to do. Well, the WHO is an organisation which is based in Geneva, which is unelected. It's a, it's, it's, its largest private donor is the, is the Gates Foundation. Gates himself, by the way, invested 55 million in BioNTech uh, about September 2019, literally within weeks of the pandemic, during which an event took place which was modeling a potential coronavirus pandemic, put 55 million each, uh, 55 million into this company, which was a partner company to Pfizer, and then sold out of it with a profit of $1.3 billion. Dollars uh, a couple of years later. So he's on both sides of the divide. And that really, for me, sums up the World Health Organization and what is it and what it has become. It's a, it's a, it's a private commercial partnership organization. Uh, it, it, it is not as people may think it to be. Um, it may have been at some stage, but it is not now. And the, um, the, the, the this treaty, whether they have two horses in the race, they have the change to the existing regulations where they have taken out the word may and replaced it with the word shall 169 times. And the treaty then is taking it on one step further. And it is, they've taken out the word non-binding and the word, and, and it has now been described officially in Irish documents, government documents as a binding treaty. So it's binding. And that then means that the, uh, the director general, Tedros, in Geneva, or whoever holds that position, May announce a, um, a you know a, 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 may may announce a, a pandemic emergency anywhere they please anywhere in the world. They can order countries to close down. And more important than anything else, which is really what what, what I think is profoundly important. And by the way, this is not just on human health; it's on animal health, it's on air, it's on energy, and it's on climate change. It all links together. And um, uh, basically, it's a massive transfer of sovereignty over to the centre. But they also then want to clamp down. They want to outlaw disinformation and misinformation and member states will have to clamp down on it. But disinformation and misinformation is simply counter science. Now, some of those daft opinions out there, I get all that. But I mean, a lot of it isn't. It's coming from highly, highly credited, uh, uh, extraordinarily um, 
advanced thinkers in, in medical science that are saying things that clearly have to be dealt with. Well, that's misinformation and disinformation. You have to clamp down on that. You just take the sauce and keep your mouth shut. And uh, this would have a very chilling effect, as it already has had, uh, if there is an, when there is another global pandemic, because it is quite clear the way the whole thing is set up. Uh, and I, I think the actual, the actual masterful text on this, if you haven't mentioned it on your show already, James, just out, is Robert Kennedy's latest book, The, the Wuhan Cover-Up. I mean, you don't have to go beyond that. You just buy, buy that, download it on Audible and listen to it. And that, that actually isn't just a book. That's an, that's an actual legal, um, uh, legal proof at a, at a very high level of, of civil prosecution, which is what um, Kennedy is. Ultimately, he's done this many, many, many times over 40 years of career, taking on major corporates and unraveling complex issues. And he's done it again in this book. And he, and he builds and builds and builds the case through the book right from the end of the Second World War, from the surrender of the, from the Japanese scientists and German scientists that were secreted into the United States to the building up of the bioweapons industry, right up to the, the the actual um the, the final the final act of the book is the World Health Organization treaty so don't take my word for it it's all there and it's yeah. evidence based it's evidence based it is and Eddie our governments including in the UK are saying nothing to see here um you know there's no threat to sovereignty we're not giving any power away we're just going to pass this treaty nothing to see here um which obviously we know is an absolute joke. Um, it really is baloney. So I think the task that you and I have, people who do see what's going on around the world, is to wake people up, isn't it? And this is why I think this, this ruling is potentially so important to the whole world, not just Ireland. So tell us about this 1987 ruling, um, Eddie. Yeah. Okay, so, this, so, so there's a basic principle at play here. Uh, which it, which is in most countries that operate under constitutions, and that's the constitution um, is is cannot be the constitution creates rights for people, and and those and 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 it cannot be what what is unfettered by your constitution cannot be fettered by your government. They cannot fetter it to international treaties without talking to the people. That's the basic principle, whether there's been a crotty ruling or not. But in 1987, there was a there was an international, there was a EU treaty coming in called the Single European Act. And a, a, a professor, Raymond Crotty from Kilkenny, um, the, the old parliamentary seat of Ireland, by the way, back in uh, back in the day, um, there was a confederation of Kilkenny. So anyway, they, so he was from Kilkenny, Raymond Crotty. And he, what he did was he, he took, um, he injuncted the Irish government in the High Court and said, you cannot sign this treaty without a hearing. And his point was, firstly, he said that the, that the actual act itself was unconstitutional. Now, he lost on that ground eventually, which, which, which actually became by the by. Um, but his, his main point was that, that the government itself doesn't have the authority to, to reduce Irish sovereignty in this manner uh, without going to the people. And um, so that went then before the Supreme Court a few months later. And there was a five three, there was a five, uh, sorry, there was a three two ruling in favor of, um, of Crotty, which was extraordinary because what it meant is that the entire, the entire approach of the government, including from the Attorney General and all of the politicians that said nothing to be worried about here, there's no diminution of sovereignty. The Supreme Court ruled, yes, sorry, excuse me, there is a very serious uh, diminution of sovereignty and, uh, and ruled in favor of the complainant. And that then required the government to surrender its position and go to the people for a referendum. 
Now, Addy, this seems um, logical, doesn't it? I mean, you know, the government are there. They're not a separate entity. They're supposed to represent the people. And they, you know, the people basically consent to give the government power to represent them. What the people don't do is give the government power to give that power away. Um, that That's obvious, really. Um, but that's essentially what this is all about, isn't it? Now, Eddie, what are the implications then for the WH Treaty, and it is a treaty, um, in respect of the 1987 Crotty ruling? So the WHO's intention was that they would re they would reveal their proposals to their members through this consultation committee process by the end of January. They missed their deadline. And that then uh, that the actual documentation then would arrive uh, by, by the end of May. Now, that looks as if it's not going to happen to go before what's called the World Health Assembly, which is really the, the governing body of the WHO. So it's just the other side of the coin. Uh, it looks as if it looks as if such as the such as the, what's happening throughout the world is that various countries, politicians are waking up going, what the hell when they read this stuff? Most people haven't read it. They're clue about it. They just just being bloody lazy. Most of them. Some people, however, are being are definitely on the other side of all of this uh, for for various commercial reasons i mean that's quite clear as well I and mean, when you understand the power of the uh, the bioweapons uh, industry in particular and how it operates so um and it's and its influence on the who you know through the various um, um you know commercial contributions going in so um so what's happening now is that um if the irish the irish so the irish government is our cabinet i have an email dated the 24th of november from the personal secretary to the Minister for Health, which says on Freedom of Information Act inquiry, <clears throat> yes, <clears throat> we think this we think this is the, the 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 best thing since the apparition of the Virgin Mary in Knock, and <laughs> in the in the in the, the 1800s, and uh, and yes, and we're going to ratify it as soon as it comes in, and it is oh yes, and it is binding. So, like, it's quite clear that the, the view, certainly at the moment, is that, well, there's nobody taking much notice. We'll just ratify it and get on with it. Um, and, but, but what's happening now, of course, is that the crotchy ruling has been waived in the faces of the government. Now, through social media at the moment, and, and, and it's now coming, it's now, it will creep into the mainstream media. But the mainstream media at the moment in Ireland, because it's completely dead, which is why I made the point at the top of this programme, the mainstream media at the moment, all they're doing is just denigrating anybody that gets up and says anything. About, about that's counter the narrative still we're still in the kind of pandemic propaganda mode so people are just being there's ad hominem attacks on anybody there's nothing to do with the actual substance of the treaty is not looked at at all and if it is looked yeah. at then it's reductive it's it's like oh there's nothing to see here Should we we've passed away <laughs> sovereignty so many times since it doesn't matter surely it doesn't matter does it not at all you know yeah the, the politicians are good at doing that aren't they they're good at yeah. doing that they're um, distracting the people and then just doing things behind the scenes now um we're going to go to the break in a second but before we go to the break um eddie i'd like you to tell um the viewers about the meeting that you um you were part of in dublin last week and who was there importantly uh, well, there was yeah, this was a meeting that was that that brought together a number of key people. We had uh, Christine Anderson over from the from Germany because uh, she's been quite outspoken about this as a member of the European Parliament. Uh, Alan Bridgen was there from from you know doing sterling work at the in in the Commons. Um, uh, we had um, we had uh, a leading um, Swiss lawyer there as well, uh, Mr. Crass, and uh, we had uh, we had Jesse there, Dr. Jesse. Um, 
come to me. So anyway, I should, I should have all this on the tip of my tongue. I just met these people for the first time, actually, at the event. And um, as soon as as soon as they gave their presentations, I was I, I asked the first question from the floor. So I just brought up Crotty and nobody had 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 made a connection. And uh, and then it became wow. something of substantial interest, you know. So uh, this and is. Then it, it, yeah, this is really interesting, Eddie. I didn't realize I I um, assumed that that meeting had been called to discuss uh, Crotty. But you, what you're saying there is is actually that came up at that meeting. It did. Yeah, I was in the future. I was just. I, they, they actually had a badge on me saying, first time ever in my life saying uh, media." You know, <laughs> I regard that as quite quite an insult, actually. <laughs> you know, given the way the Irish media is given the way the Irish media is operating, yeah. you know, I don't want to go wrong with that badge on me. Yeah. There are some good journalists still I, um, I alive and well. A lot of them are here on TNT as well. I know. Listen, I know, Eddie. I know, I know. <laughs> Eddie, we're going to take a quick break now, but we've got more to discuss, including I want to carry on this discussion a little bit, but we'll tie this up, and then we're also I want to talk about um, all of these hateful people in Ireland that need a law created so they don't say hateful things to 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 other people it's a bit crazy but we're going to talk about that as well so stay with us right here on tnt de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective i'm sure you've been following mark morano and of course the climate trial of the century where dr michael mann was suing mark stein in any case that is going to the jury now there are a couple things that have popped up in this trial which are very interesting First of all, out of the 22 possibilities for this so-called hockey stick, only two of them showed the hockey stick. Both of those were fudging the hockey stick. And what did I mean by fudging? Well, they claimed that the medieval warm period did not exist, which if Dr. Mann was actually a meteorologist and looked at the weather, he should know that you can't just have regionalized warming in one area of the world. If it's warm in one area of the world, it's going to be warm in other areas of the world. I think I've explained this before. Now, another thing is that there's some interesting things coming out that may open Dr. Mann up to be sued, especially by Dr. Judith Curry. Now, I've always wondered why Dr. Curry did not go after Michael Mann because he has really said some disgusting things about her, including spreading false rumors about her sex life. So there were a whole bunch of little other things that came out. Don't know what the jury's going to do. Seems pretty obvious to a normal human being that Mark Stein did not cause Michael Mann any damage given 12 years later, Michael Mann is a prince among all these climate change people that think that the earth is burning up. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. Every day he's hungry for something. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then it kind of starts to work itself out. This is The Freeman Report with your host, James Freeman, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, now, Eddie, sticking with this um, this crotty ruling, um, obviously we spoke on the phone last week. There is a plan, isn't there, in terms of how you're going to force the government to state its position. Tell us about that, firstly. 
Yeah, so what we need to do, so, okay, so we we, we already have, uh, you know, documentation, you know, government stuff, internal stuff, as well as Freedom of Information Act responses to say, yes, it's a binding treaty, but there's nothing to worry about, there's nothing to see here, but it, we've been advised by a barrister who was actually at the meeting, there was a lot of very important people there, uh, obviously, say, to say, look, you need to get an official statement from the floor of the chamber, from the Dáil, uh, or the Commons in, in, in British terms, uh, an official statement from the government on what its intention is under the, uh, you know, for, for, for both the IHR, the International Health Regulations and the treaty, because they're they're running two horses and they can quickly slip from yeah. one to the other, one falls again on the other horse. So you need to knock, knock them both out. So to ask, you know, ask what the government position is on that. But we, we have um, we have a parliamentary a member of parliament lined up to do that. And I'm just currently working on the wording of that with that person. And that then will be put formally to the government if the government say, no, there's going to be no referendum, then all hell breaks loose. That means then that, uh, you know, we're going to have to take the Irish government to court and injunct them and go the exact same path that Crotty took in 1987. If right. However, now on this the is, other hand, yeah. On the other so, hand, you see, I think that the government will know that and their legal advice will look whatever you want to do you can't do and that if you go that route you will you will you you will probably face a humiliating defeat in the high court and uh, and that's going to have all sorts of political ramifications so they may just decide okay we're going to have a referendum now if they have a referendum then then we have them and when i say we them i mean worldwide we have them because instead of having a snow job government public inquiry into itself which is what we're expecting to have here we actually have an inquiry of the public of what's gone on because under Irish law if we have a referendum on such a treaty or any kind of treaty then the electoral commission have to argue both sides of it into public leaflets and so on and so forth and the mainstream media which don't want to go anywhere near this because it's going to expose an awful lot of their careers to substantial reputational damage for what they've engaged in over three years they don't want this but they will be forced to cover it not only that, it will allow us to then bring in international voices as well as local voices and expose all of the stuff that most people, mm. most people are unaware of. Eddie, this is absolutely delicious. <laughs> Seriously, if this was a meal, it would be the best meal in the world. Because, yes, of course, you know, the governments are saying nothing to see here. But once you get a, a referendum, um, you know, if, if we get that, then... That 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 you know we, the government has forced to talk about the pros and cons of it. You get all these experts in, and of course the world's um, lens will be focused then on Ireland. So absolutely fantastic. Now, Eddie, obviously this this is probably going to cost money if you need to go um, to the Supreme Court to challenge this. Um, and obviously we need to help people watching this now in terms of they can help us by spreading awareness of this. Um, where do people go for more information and more importantly well, to support you? Well, we're, we're, we're in the very early stages. It's a very good question, James, and thanks for asking it. We're in the very early stages. We should be set up very shortly to be able to do that. But right now we're, we're not. So, yeah, we will be knocking on the door locally and internationally saying, guys, let's get a fund together and because it's going to need money, uh, you know, it's probably a seven figure sum uh, to really go at it because we need to we need to deal with the hate speech bill as well at the same time and uh, and really go at them both on constitutional grounds. Now, um, there is then, of course, uh, you know, the, I can already see it happening where the uh, the legal arguments will be coming back. That's champerty. They, it will they'll argue under Irish law. And so you can't do that, that you can't finance these things. You know, of course they would, because it would suit them to say that. But I mean, there is no pot of money here if you win. 
there is just a win for the people and uh, yeah. so so that that but but i can just see i can just see the legal process already lining up to try and trip it trip it up before we ever get going so what i'm what i'm hoping we'll be able to do, be in a position to do very shortly is to start a row uh, within the senior councils of ireland i'm going to call them out to a public debate uh, on Cratty this afternoon on a, on a national radio station and that's what I'm, that's my intention to call them out uh, get their and, and let them let them look at it and let them start arguing with each other in public at least that would help and and that's what they're very very good at i mean you know, as you well know you can take any p- particular position you like and you'll get two different barristers giving you opposing views on it you know the crotty ruling had an opposing view you know that's just the way they that's just the way it works um, and just try to stir up a- attention to this because people are worn out from the detail of all of the stuff that's been happening and um, mm. you know the last thing they want to hear, which they're going to have to hear, is that there is an attempt internationally to uh, create uh, what you could only best describe as the as the twenty first century version of totalitarianism. Except it's 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 done using technology, and the and the people behind it are the are the, are some of the most powerful and richest people in the world. And of course, it's a global. This is a global takeover, isn't it? We in in the past. Um, tyranny and totalitarianism has been really kind of contained within countries and groups of countries, whereas this is a global takeover. 192 countries um, are members of the WHO. So this is definitely a global takeover or an attempt at it. Um, So, Eddie, yeah, as soon as you get everything set up, um, we'll stay in touch because TNT is going to support you 100%. We'll make sure all of our hosts are making the public aware and we'll help you get that message out. Um, Now, Eddie, let's move on. Um, Let's talk about these hate speech laws in Ireland. Uh, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just recapping what exactly they, they are and what you think the intention is of those laws. Well, the okay, well, the... All these things can start with good intentions by people that have good intentions. Uh, and this is an attempt to deal with um, excessive um, uh, ex- excessive hatred that could be spun and could be dangerous to certain name minorities. But actually, when you look at what's happened, it's gone way, 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 way beyond that. And this is this is NGOs that are in the pockets of other people, you know, creating echo chambers with politicians and and not listening to the people. They're listening to them now because the people are out on the streets. So you're not listening to us. But I mean, the whole idea of the hate speech bill is as follows. If you, um, the way they have it written at the moment. Now, at the moment, the politicians are saying, well, that's, you know, the intention of this really is, is it's not for you, you you kind of moderate people. It's it's just for them, for those other unnamed, the, the hard right, you know, those nasty people that are out there causing, it's really for them, you know. And, uh, but actually it's not written like that at all. Firstly, it doesn't define hate. That's the first thing. Now, this, by the way, is is on the eighth stage in Ireland, so it's it's a couple of steps be- before being signed off by the president Michael D Higgins, you know, and then it becomes law. So it's right right up to the uh, it's in the Senate at the moment. It's gone through the main house. It's in the the secondary house, the Senate. It's a bit like the the, the house the, the House of Lords, I suppose, kind of uh, you know, two, two two chambers. But the so it's in the Senate at the moment, and I think they're terrified to actually bring it into law in the, in these circumstances. Um, well, let me just explain that. So the um, so firstly, hate isn't defined. So uh, the second thing is that uh, somebody, if so, if somebody overhears you, James, or any of your listeners in Ireland, equivalent, chatting to somebody and saying something that could be deemed to be hateful to a named minority, and they can report you to the police, the guard, as we call them over here, the police. The police then can go and get a warrant from a judge, and they can 
come into your house because uh, I have warned and they can take your all your laptops and your mobile phones and those of your your your, your spouse and your children and anybody else in the house and uh, and they can uh, force you to give them the passwords and they can break into the into the devices and they can look for anything that could be deemed to be potentially use, usable uh, to generate hate which is undefined towards towards named minorities and you can be prosecuted so therefore if you distill all that down it means you can be prosecuted for a thought for a thought mm. now the last time there was something like this it was called the inquisition in medieval europe you could be prosecuted for a thought for even thinking about becoming protestant at the time if you recall right and uh, uh, and the last time we saw anything this in a book was was george orwell's book so this this is where we are it's absolutely daft and it's been defended it's been passed through the doll and it's been defended by the politicians because it's uh, you know because it's 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 extreme virtue signaling at best and at worst it's designed quite deliberately to send a deep chill through the population to get people to stop talking to one another that means great diminution in critical thinking and it means you 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 can't actually talk about anything even behind closed doors without without taking everybody's mobile phone off them and leaving yeah, it outside and Eddie, obviously context, when you talk about speech, context is everything, right? I mean, you all have heard the jokes about the Englishman, the Irishman and the Scotsman, um, you know, and I'm sure there's lots of other jokes as well. Within context, um, you know, they make sense. They're funny. Um, and there's lots of stories and things. But what you're saying there is, is they could come in to your house take your laptops and whether you were planning to publish it or not if it's on your devices um all the context is stripped out and essentially you can be done for hate speech you could yeah no the the view is that the independent judiciary because we have the same system as britain has thanks to you know we've the same we've the exact same system um you know they, 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 the view is that well the independent judiciary will you know when, when it comes to the prosecution will take um, a particular view of the act and etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. but you see that's not that that's not the point of it the point of it mm, is to force yeah. people to become prosecuted and then to scare the living daylights out of them for three or four years while they go through the, the system i mean all you need to do is do that to a few people and that's the end of it you know publicly and uh, no it's different if it if it's if somebody that's a known extremist of some kind I mean, you know, we all we all recognize these people immediately, but it's it's not that's not where it that's not where it ends up. It ends up in the middle. And, but, people, but Eddie, people and the, the other thing to 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 make clear here is, you know, just like in the UK here, there are already laws in place. You know, if somebody gets up in public and um, mm -hmm. spouts hateful speech, which is directed at targeting a minority, there's already laws in place for that, aren't there? Well, there are laws in place for it, but there's also the public reaction to people like that. We police these people ourselves in, in how we react to them. And also, you know, the whole idea of like, the, the whole knob of democracy is free speech. I mean, without free speech, you don't have democracy. And uh, we, we tend to sort these people out ourselves just in the way we engage with them. And uh, it's very, very clear, even if you're at a public meeting very quickly, who the nutcases are in the room. And the room deals with them eventually. You know, they might be polite at the start and then eventually get tired of them, tell them to stop. And then if they don't stop, they get thrown out of the meeting. I mean, that, that's how typical you don't need. You don't need, in my opinion, you don't need, you don't need, um, um, you know, the big state to regulate and legislate something that the people themselves uh, can control. 
You definitely don't. And um, I've seen reports from Europe. It's monitoring um, these things as part of the DSA, the Digital Services Act. And one of the things they've deemed as hate speech in Ireland is people actually up in arms because small communities are being forced to take in hundreds of immigrants. I don't think that's hate speech. They're actually raising genuine concerns. But we have run out of time, sadly, Eddie. I'd love to get you back on. Um, Eddie Hobbs, ladies and gentlemen, um, you're doing amazing work there and really important work for many of us around around the world so please keep on doing that eddie and to the rest of you don't go anywhere stick with us right here on tnt